Well, hello, church. I'm so glad you're with us today uh, as we continue our sermon series about following Jesus in today's world. And this is part two of that series, which will be a six-part series. And today we're going to reflect on the storms of life. What happens to us as the followers of Jesus when we come upon the storms of life that everyone does? And so we need to understand this and see what Jesus says and what Scripture says. And so let's bow our heads and go before the throne of God as we ask him to bless this service. Father, we bow before your throne and thank you for the blessings of our our life. Thank you for sustaining our people and keeping them safe. And now, Lord, I ask you that the message that we hear today be your message, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to deal with the truth that we need to hear for today. Lord, we put all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so following Jesus in today's world and encountering the storms of life, an important subject for all of us. And so the one thing that we can all expect as we walk in this world is to experience the storms of life. Merely being a Christian is not going to alleviate the fact that you will encounter storms. You will still encounter storms. We know the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so this one common factor is going to come upon us as it comes upon the world. And so as followers of Jesus in the modern world, how are we to act? How are we to respond? How are we to think uh, in terms of these storms? And what evidence will we give to the world that we are followers of Jesus in this way? Now, one of the first storms that we see the disciples experiencing uh, is found in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. And if you have your Bible, you can follow along. Then he, meaning Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we are going to drown. He replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Well, I'll tell you what kind of man he is. He was God himself uh, and had the ability to control nature. But why would Jesus lead them into the boat when he obviously would know that a storm was going to come? Why would he do that? And what did the Lord have in mind? Well, I would say the Lord was teaching them something. He was teaching them about the reliance of faith in God. And there he was, Jesus himself, in the boat asleep during the storms. He was asleep because he was completely in faith with God. He rested confidently in the will of the Father. And this is what the disciples should have done as well. And that's the message for us as disciples and followers of God and Jesus today in the modern world. We have to put our confidence in God, put our faith in Jesus. And as we do this, we will be confident and rest confidently even as we experience the storms of life because we will know that all things come together to advance the kingdom of God when you are called as a Christian. And so there are very important lessons that we can draw out of these issues of storms that we need to study today. 
And, and so one of the other things that you hear and that you see in this example is that Jesus wants you to be able to cry out to God during these times, just as the disciples did. They reached Jesus and asked him to intervene. And effectively, that's a lesson for us. God wants to hear your honest prayers. You're needing him intervening in your life. And so this becomes important as well, just as the disciples did. And frankly, Jesus gave us that example. For sure, on the cross, when, when he was at that moment, when he would be the sin bearer of all time and God cut off the communication with him because God could not stand the countenance of sin itself, Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that was a prayer that Jesus made, even at that moment, responding, really responding to being the sin bearer of all time and the terrible distress that he was on. You know, the, the Bible speaks so clearly about this issue and really affirms us in so many way, ways. Take a look at Psalm 91, verses 14 to 15, and this is a Psalm of David, uh, and it supports this position. And it, it says, quote, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. Think about that. All those promises in those verses that I will rescue you, those that love me and are my followers. I'll protect you, those who trust in my name. When you call on me, I will be there to rescue you. Think about that great promise as you walk through life and come upon the storms of this life, knowing that God is your backstop. He is not going to let you be overwhelmed. He is going to be with you every step of the way. It's interesting because one theologian said, as it relates to understanding this issue, quote, when God lays men on their backs, then they look up to heaven. And isn't that a fact? Isn't that a fact? And so God has his purposes in the storms of life. Uh, we don't really understand all of the purposes, but we know that God doesn't do anything recklessly. There is a purpose in the actions that he undertakes. Uh, and you could see it in the example that we read in Matthew 8, where Jesus got up and calmed the storms of life. And so some of us right now are in storms. I would venture to say that probably more than half, perhaps more than two-thirds of us right now, are in some kind of storms of our life. And we're wondering, why is God allowing this to happen to me? Well, there are no easy answers to that question. However, let me say this, where there are no trials in this life, then there are no triumphs. Uh, God often brings these trials to provide surprise benefits to us in the midst of these hardships. He demonstrates to us his faithfulness uh, and, and proves to us that when we are faithful to him, he will be faithful to us, that he is there every step of, of the way. And it is in the very difficult places of life, the very dark valleys and the steep paths where we learn and discover truthfully uh, what we could not learn anyplace else. Uh, and, and you know, I have to say that in my own life I found that, that, that in my, my own professional life, I, I learned very little from the cases that I won in court, very little, uh, other than self-congratulation. But it was in the losses that I endured sometimes 
where I really had to examine myself and ask God to give me wisdom and to give me the faith to rely on him. Those painful episodes that really caused you to reflect on the holiness of God and your need for God. And so I think that's true for all of us. Another great example of this uh, is another Psalm of David, and that is Psalm 23. Uh, and I want to point something out to you uh, in this Psalm because I think it's important. Uh, and so you see in this Psalm, really, uh, it talks about the first uh, three verses. And in those three verses, it talks about the, the very pleasant aspect of walking with God. He's my shepherd. He, he shall not let me be in want. He will make me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. All most glorious, elevating aspects of walking with God. But now, verses four and five, things turn. And David speaks about that. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me stop there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, well, the question is there, Lord, why am I walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Why am I going through these dark areas in which I'm going to experience pain and suffering and persecution? Well, in his will, in his sovereign will, he has a plan for your life. And so he will be with you. His rod and his staff will be with you even in these most dark periods. Uh, and it says there, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I will not be fearful because I know you're there with me, because I know you led me there, because I'm your child and I'm submitting my life to you. And so you see that even in this psalm, this glorious psalm, it really speaks about the coming trials of life. Uh, and then another interesting verse, the following verse, verse five says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What is that about, God? Jesus, what are you doing? You're leading me to sit with my enemies? You're preparing a table with my enemies? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And so he's giving you a lesson there that even in this world, even when there are people who are not out for your goodwill, uh, who may want to harm you, God is still with you. Uh, and so he's elevating you to the world. He's demonstrating that you are a child of God and that he is with you and that the kind of things that would offend and distract people who are not Christians, for you, you still keep your eye on the cross. You maintain a spirit of righteousness. That, that verse really resonates with me today. That, that all of us have at some time been affiliated with people that were not in our best interest. And yet we have to look back as we reflect on those periods of life that God was with us, that he protected us, that he allowed us to be there. And even though we were surrounded by people who didn't look out for us or didn't reflect well on us, yet God took care of us. What a marvelous God we have as you understand what it means to be a follower of God in this world. And so what an amazing promise that is in, in Psalm 23. And so really the secret to making it through 
all of the highs and lows of life in this world as we walk with the Lord is to recognize that wherever we go, God is walking with us. There's not a place that we go that he is not with us, without us. And so what a promise that is for us. And so as we understand the storms of our life, uh, we can generally categorize them. And I think this is helpful as you think about it and you walk about, this may be an easy way for you, you to reflect on these very storms. And, and I have come to realize that we can categorize them into three categories. First, there are what I would call the correcting storms. And the correcting storms mean we have abandoned our walk with God. We have walked away from him. We are being disobedient. We are not submitting to his will. And God corrects us. And he does this with a storm. Now, the perfect example of that is Jonah. Because you know Jonah was ordered to go to Nineveh uh, and to preach a, a sermon there that would cause them all to repent in Nineveh. They were godless people. And Jonah, when he heard that, because he despised the Ninevites, refused to go. And in fact, when he got on a boat, he went out in the absolute opposite directions. Uh, theologians tell us probably eight, 900 miles away from Nineveh. And what did God do? God sent an incredible storm, uh, effectively causing the boat to be tipped over and causing Jonah to be thrown into the water. And Jonah is swallowed up by a, a large fish and spends three days in the belly of the fish. You ask me, John, do you believe that story? Oh, yes, I believe that story. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. And Jesus referred to it. So that's two great sources. Yes, and what a terrible situation that was. And so that great fish swims back towards Nineveh and deposits Jonah out on the beach. And Jonah recognizes that he had violated the will of God. And so he then completed his message that God had sent him to do. That is a correcting storm. And that's a result of disobedience. And I think that you can look in your life and see various examples where that happened to you, where all of a sudden you started to drift away, you didn't go to church, you kept away from the people of God, you started to let certain kinds of sins into your life that hardened your, your heart towards God and the people of God. And what happens? Some storm came into your life. And it could be any kind of issue. It could be a financial storm. It could be a health storm. It could be a relationship storm, but it is a storm of life. Uh, and the result of those storms was disobedience. Uh, and we often bring them on ourselves. And so if we deliberately do wrong, we have to remember that we will reap the consequences. God is letting you reap what you sow with the objective being that you will change your actions. And let me speak clearly on this. Just because you are a Christian does not mean that you have a get-out-of-jail card that allows you to go and abuse other people, to sin recklessly, to cause people to suffer uh, because you're saved and you're guaranteed that you're going to go to heaven. Let me tell you something. You will suffer the consequences of God. Just as you heard me preach before that there is a meritocracy in heaven where God reviews our acts and promotes us based on those acts. Even in this world, there are judgments of God. Nobody escapes the judgment of God. So yes, you're saved. Yes, you're gonna be with heaven, but this is a warning to you. Uh, you will face a correcting storm. 
And let me tell you something, these correcting storms are not pleasant. They can be very powerful uh, and they can cause great damage because God, in the end of the day, is interested in your spirit, in your ability to worship him and follow him. And so if he has to take uh, some uh, measure of your flesh, he will do that, all right? Because God is interested in your eternal life. And so that's why there are painful consequences to our sinful actions. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 to 6. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as son. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Well, there you have it. The fact that God loves you and views you as a child of God, an heir of Jesus Christ, the brother of Jesus Christ, attached to the body of Christ, doesn't mean that he will let you have a reckless life. He will not. And so he will reach out and correct you, and he will punish you, and he will discipline you because he loves you. You know, how many people say from time to time, I don't understand it. I look at people in the world who live the most reckless kind of lives, and it seems like God lets them, lets them out of jail. Nothing ever happens to them. But me, me, you know, I try to go to church, and yet all of a sudden these things come into my life. And I would say to you, that's the very evidence that you're a Christian that you are a child of God because he loves you so much, he's going to discipline you and keep you in line because he wants to use you as the poster child to this world of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so this is important to understand. That's why these correcting storms take place. That's what God has in mind as he's elevating you and using you uh, as effectively a poster to a lost world. Then there are protecting storms protecting storms. Uh, and a good example of a protecting storm uh, is the storm that followed the miracle of the loaves and fishes. And there the people were so enamored of Jesus, as you remember, th so enamored that they, that here's Jesus feeding 5,000 men with five loaves and seven fish, uh, and, and so incredible that they wanted to make him king. They wanted him to be the political messiah. And that was not what Jesus was called to do, and Jesus recognized that. So immediately following the miracle, he led his disciples quickly away uh, and, and told them, forced them to get onto a boat and go to the other side of the lake. This is found in Matthew 14. Well, guess what? While they were on the other side of the lake, they encountered a storm. Uh, and again, they cried out to Jesus. And so what is this about? Well, the, the point of that is that God puts storms in our life to keep us from doing something stupid, something outside of the will of God, something that would really wind up taking us away from our message to God, our message to the people of this world. Uh, the last thing God wanted was the disciples to get involved in running Jesus for King campaign. And one of the ways he did that was to deposit them right in the middle of a storm where all of a sudden those thoughts would, 
would be taken away from them. And so our God is great. He loves us so much. Uh, and he wants to us to have the most perfect kind of life. Then the third category of storms are, are what we call perfecting storms. Uh, and these really, for us as followers of Jesus, are, are the kind of storms that we will most likely face, most commonly face, I would say, uh, for those people who truly want to follow Jesus. Uh, and here, God has a work that he wants to accomplish with your life. He has a purpose for your life and ministry. And, and so he wants to seek a desired result. And so in order to get that result, it's as if he's putting gold in a fire and refining it. Uh, and you get a good example of this found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Turn there if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. We're going to read 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What a glorious set of verses as the Apostle Paul really understood what it meant in this life. Yes, you're going to suffer. Yes, you're going to go through trials. Yes, you're going to go through dark times. But here's the thing. You've been saved. You've been called out by God for his work. He's going to use you and elevate you. And so instead of focusing on the momentary pain, look instead to the glorious future, what God has for you and for us. And so when you do that, when you do that with God, then you, you are so elevated in such a great way that you see the end game. You see the rewards and you, and you understand that. Uh, to me, this, these verses uh, really speak loudly to me uh, as our eternal glory, our eternal glory far outweighs uh, the momentary pain that we suffer. And so what's the answer? So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not this pain, not this world, not this trial, but we fix our eyes on the cross, on the promise of what God has given us. For this is temporary, but what we're headed for is eternal. What a great story that is in the promise of God and how much Paul understood this uh, in so many ways. And so God has intended for you a glorious life in this world. He has intended that. He has a purpose in your life. He's called you to be a child of God and attached to the body of Christ and effectively the brother of Jesus. And so all these things that come your way to, to basically uh, challenge you and correct you and protect you and perfect you are designed so that one day when you get to see Jesus face to face, you will be everything that he expected you to be. I want you also to read, if you would, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse 2. Really listen to these words. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. 
When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Can you imagine that? Telling us about the greatest perils in this world, uh, going through deep waters or, or, or deep ravines or going through fire. None of it is going to affect you because he is going to be with you. He is going to protect you. So whatever storm you walk through in this life, you need to understand that as a follower of Jesus, and this is the key, as a follower of Jesus, he is with you. That's what separates us from the world. Because if you're not a follower of Jesus, then all these vicissitudes of life will come crashing down upon you, right? Because you're not a follower of Jesus. But for us as followers of Jesus, God is using these things to protect us. And so let's talk about really uh, the practical application. What's the practical application of, of what we've talked about today? Things that you can take with you as you leave this message. Well, first, storms teach us real gratitude. And this is, this is key. Because it is easy to be grateful when you're marching on a sunny day and the flowers are all around you. Everything is going well. However, uh, it is really difficult when the storms come and suddenly the darkness prevails and you can't really see the things that you ought to be grateful for. It is at that very time that we look to find God's good hand in our lives. We reach out to him and he's there for us. Uh, and as Paul said, the Apostle Paul, who will really give the greatest lessons on trials, Paul said as he wrote from prison, he learned the secret of being content in every situation. Remember that. He learned to be content in every situation in life. Not just the good days, but the bad days. Not just the light days, but the dark days. Not just the sunny days, but the rainy days. To be content in all situations because you know that you're in the hand of God. Second, uh, the storms teach us real joy. Paul taught us another truth from prison, and that was to rejoice in all things. And the quote that I'm using here that Paul gave is, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now let's understand, this is a guy who spent probably, you know, one third of his ministry in prison. Uh, and, and he had the thorn in the flesh. He suffered from physical disabilities. Um, he was persecuted. He was effectively stoned in so many ways. And yet, look at what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, and that's what God wants us to do. That's the reason why we are followers of Jesus. Because we recognize that a follower of Jesus, we will rejoice in every aspect of our life. What a wonderful message that is. Next, storms teach us real peace. Now, peace is not the absence of difficulty, but rather it is the presence of God. And think about that. Uh, and I've told you often that I've seen that as I walked down the hallways of hospitals or hospice, and I see our people who are dying, and yet they are in peace because they know where they're going. And you pass a room where that's not the case, and you see darkness and travail and despair. Uh, and this is the reason, because God has with us. And so he's giving us the real peace, that, that passes all understanding, the peace that knows that no matter what happens in this world, we're headed to a better world, and that he's, he's got us covered in that sense. Uh, and so he, he found that even in prison, uh, where he wrote, and I'll quote what he said, 
and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, all human understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. And so God's peace brings peace, God's presence, excuse me, brings peace even when circumstances are storming around us. Now fourth, storms teach us real treasure. Now in the storm that shatters life as we know it, no matter what that kind of storm is, we learn suddenly what is truly valuable. All the things that we thought were valuable before, the things that we uh, put uh, great pretensions on, all of a sudden don't seem so important anymore. You're not that concerned now about your stock portfolio or the amount of money in, your, in the bank when all of a sudden you're finding that you've got a severe uh, illness. Uh, and so Paul writes about this and he says in that same passage, and again, he's writing these things mostly from prison, which really elevates the statement of what he's making. Quote, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. How about that? Everything else in my life is of no consequence. I don't care what it is in comparison to what I have by knowing Jesus Christ. That's what God wants you to say. That's how God wants your economy to be uh, as a Christian, lifting up Jesus and having him surpass everything else in your life, understanding the real treasure in your life. Fifth, storms teach us real strength. Trials bring us to the end of ourselves. And here's what happens. Many of us are people who have been successful in life and we think that we can handle most things in life. And suddenly there's a storm that confronts us that we can't solve, that we can't get it out of our way. And now we come to the end of ourselves. And as we come to the end of ourselves, we realize that we're totally dependent upon God. And that's what God wants to teach you, that in the end you are all totally dependent upon God. We need him for strength. We need him for wisdom. Uh, we need him to replace the fear in our life with faith and to give us the strength to battle uh, the storm. And he will do that. He will give you that in every possible way. He will do that. And six, the storms teach us real faithfulness, real faithfulness, because storms prove that the promises of God stand up. They're there. They don't change day by day. We see God's faithfulness in ways that we could never do on a sunny day. And I would say this, that for those of you who spent a life as Christians, reflect back on your life as you may have gone through dark days and look at how God brought you through it. And look at how he protected you and look at the result in your life, how you are today in a place that many of us never thought we would be, never thought we would be. And what do I mean by that? We are in a church where you are loved and affirmed that has been given to you by God. This is a gift of God, right? That we have people here who love you and affirm you and lift you up and will pray for you. This is what God does for us in ways that we would never expect it. I can tell you this, that Linda and I have often spoken about the fact that we never had uh, any type of friendship with people in the way that we have it here. We have the most deep, abiding friendship in the people of God, and God gave them to us. 
and God gave it to you. That is really the faithfulness of God. And finally, uh, the storms teach us about your real home. Your real home is not this world. Your real home is heaven. And so storms can be difficult and brutal, but Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Oh, that is such a glorious verse. Our light and momentary troubles, yes. And I know that some of the troubles that you're going through may not be considered light or momentary. Some of them are life-threatening. And God understands that. But yet here's the thing. You are achieving an eternal glory. You have a promise from God that he's looking at your life and how he's using your life even during these great periods of trial and stress and elevating your life as an example to this world of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that's the nature of this sermon series. I want every one of you to understand that as followers of Jesus, this is what we can expect, but these are the promises of God who will never abandon you. Let's close and put this in prayer before our Lord. Father, we thank you so much for the message that you've given us today. Lord, we thank you that the Holy Spirit has inspired these words and these words have touched our life. And now, Father, I ask that each and every one of our people leave here with this message resonating in their heart, that they leave here knowing that you will never abandon them, that whatever trial we're going through, Father, we know that there is a purpose in it and you are behind the storm clouds. Give us that truth, Father, in our life to understand that. Let us recognize that God is using us to demonstrate to this world what a real follower of Jesus in this modern world means. Bless our people protect our people, and bring them back next week to continue in your word and worship. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We love you, church.